watched that's the two men glorious bastards. The dude in glorious bastards. Man. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. I've only watched that dude like <laughs> twice. <laughs> yep. Yeah, oh, right, I was with you. No, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> okay, uh, one, two. I'm gonna need to go go low. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. That's funny. <laughs> I got so many jokes. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, four, All right, three, three, two, two, one, one. Welcome to another episode of a conversation with open minds. Today, we are going to have a very in-depth conversation on a subject that is not really talked about, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, I am here with the inglorious Noah. Shalom, y'all. <laughs> and I'm also with the one guy that speaks the third best Italian. Bongiorno. 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 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and today, today our conversation is going to be about reparations. But before we get into that, how are you mm-hmm. guys doing? How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, new going on? No, I always start off the new year just trying to get my myself together, my house together, kind of projects, kind of line them up. I usually plan myself for the year for my schedule, the calendar with the kids. So just some of that, but it's a little less because of COVID and, Damn, you know, kids are getting older. So, yeah, that that's my, you know, January routine kind of thing. So, so we're almost in February. So I know. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I'm good. COVID, I'm good, man. man. I'm uh, just, you know, trying to be better than last year, trying to be a better person and yeah. pushing my family forward. That's yeah. it, man. I totally understand that. Yep. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into reparations. Mm. This, this is going to be a good a, one. This is going to be yeah. a, a good conversation, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with that being said, reparations. I will try to quickly define what that is, and it is uh, to, and I quote: "To serve and acknowledge the legal obligation of a state or individuals or group to repair the consequences of violations." either because it directly committed them or it failed to prevent them. Replenishment mm-hmm. of for the previously inflicted loss usually is in a monetary form, slavery being the most common um, conversation we have for reparations. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, there is a huge conversation with reparations and slavery in the African-American community. And it almost makes it seem like reparations is not actually happening. But from what we have, from what I've read, reparations mm-hmm. have been going on for quite a while. There have been people that have actually received them. And mm-hmm. so the question is, you know, why then is the African-American community not? And why is it such a struggle? And, and why is it such a long conversation just to even admit the fact that something like this happened? Um, So in 1989, there was a Conyers bill, and the Conyers bill, if nobody knows, it was to acknowledge the fundamental injustice, cruelty, brutality, and inhumanity of slavery in the United States and the 13 American colonies between 1619 and 1865. But it was also to establish a commission to examine the institution for slavery and to end economic discrimination against African-Americans and the impact of these forces on living African-Americans to make recommendations to Congress on appropriate remedies for other purposes. That they're still trying to push their way through. 
it's been a hard fight ever since. Mm-hmm. From what I've read, the uh, Americans paid reparations, I believe, to the Japanese. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Uh, Germany apparently had paid reparations to their citizens, to the Jewish community for what happened in World War II. And the United States also, I think, wanted to pay reparations to the Sioux Nation mm-hmm. for uh, the area, I guess the Black Hills, I guess is the area that it was called. But from what I also read, the Sioux Nation didn't want to accept that because that would almost mean that they wanted to accept wanting to go back to Black Hills, but I don't think they do. So it's out there that people are paying it. It's out there that- They got some America- money. Yeah. The, Sioux, yeah. the Sioux's got some money. Yeah, yeah well, you're apparently right, they, said, they got some money. Yeah. They got, they say it's valued now over a billion Mm-hmm. Um, of compensation that they've got, but they're trying to put together a a commission or something for that money, but they don't officially want to accept that money. Um, so the money's out there somewhere. But it means that America's been paying reparations and people yeah. are okay mm-hmm. with reparations being paid. But when you bring up slavery, that becomes a very sore subject to some that... Well, why should we pay reparations for you? Well, part of that, I believe, is because of what happened, it's trying to find that definitive lineage between African-Americans today and those that were actually part of slavery or were enslaved and trying to prove that. And it's like Mm -hmm. saying, if you can't prove that, then why should we just give you money? You know what I mean? So... It, it it becomes a struggle because you, you're almost now saying you're not a, you're not admitting to what you did exactly. But in a way, in a way, you are because you're also saying well, we kind of did it, but we don't know who we did it to. And I can't prove that I did it to you or to you or to anybody in your family. So since I can't prove that, guess what? You're just not going to get any money. Yeah. So I'm going to leave that out there. What do you guys think? Go go no, you want to go first because oh, okay. I'm going I'm going to hit heavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to bring it back to what we what you originally said, KT was the Japanese. It was Japanese Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, during the um, um when they brought them in for internment camps. You know, after Pearl Harbor. Yep. Um. Yeah. And you know, I think that I I think that overall the idea that you know reparations weren't paid to slave families, um, and individuals, uh starting back in the day, uh, it's just, it's a shame on this nation, honestly, in my opinion. And I think that this country kind of looks at things with rose colored glasses or, you know, mm-hmm. let, let me put it a different way, uh, white colored glasses mm-hmm. and looks at it like, you know, like, like, like on a separate subject, but the idea that Christopher Columbus discovered America and he was this great guy. <laughs> I was, I was taught that in school. Mm-hmm. But he was not a nice guy at all. And what he did was horrific. So you look at slavery and, you know, people talk about, you know, well, slavery. Yeah, I guess it happened. Yeah. OK, whatever. They don't look at it like people were separated from their families. They were, you know, made to do hard labor for no wages. Uh, they were treated horribly and they were slaves. And for Americans to acknowledge that, that that happened. And that is part of the reason why this country is one of the superpowers that it is today is because back then we were able to have this great economy to do this. And they did it through slavery. And, you know, to be able to, there's no, you can't tell me that 
we can't pay people for that in reparations because we can't trace them back. That's BS. There's yeah, bullshit, could, totally, yeah. It is. It is. There's ways it they is. could do that. They could make an effort, but nobody wants to make an effort. I think that's the problem. So they could make an effort, they could make it happen, and they can do it. And the longer they, they wait, the longer it takes for anything to actually happen, the easier it is to sit back and justify that, you know, maybe we can't do it because it's been so long and, you know, whatever. But right. I think it should happen. And I'm going to kind of hit a few different things real quick. And sure. So bottom line, it needs to happen. It could happen. It just needs to be taken seriously enough that we go back and figure out, okay, who are the families involved? Who are the individuals? Um, what, how far should we go? Let's make the rules. How far back should we go? How far forward should we go? What should be the limits? How can we do this? So I, from, from my point of view, I look at, you know, instead of giving people money, which is possible, I like to think that, okay, let's, let's do education. You know, the education uh -huh. system in this country is not good, especially for the poor, the minorities, the people that live in the, in the, the, the red line districts, you know, so uh -huh. money should be put in those schools, those in institutions for those kids and those people, even the adults to get educated. What do you want to learn? You want to learn how to be a car mechanic? We got you. No charge. You're going to be a uh -huh. car mechanic. We'll, 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 we'll pay for the schooling. And then for the kids, I can't. It, it makes me so angry when a kid is qualified and able to go to college, but they just don't have the money for it. And mm -hmm. that happens, you know, a lot. those kids, those kids, you know, the minority kids, the black kids that, that can be tied to slavery, or I don't know, even not, I, I have a hard time drawing the line there. Just, you want to go to college, you've got the grades, you've got the wherewithal, you want to do it, you want to go into computers, you want to go into law school, whatever, you got it, you're going to school, we're going to make this happen. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying they need to pay their way through Harvard or Yale or any of these, you know, ridiculously expensive schools, you know, Stetson or Rollins. Come on. But they should be able to go to college and have an education. And that, to me, is what also helps break that cycle of, of poverty. I'm not saying everybody goes to college is going to make a ton of money, but it helps. It helps not only for that person, but it also helps their family and their kids that see their parents that went to college that were able to, yeah, they didn't have a great job, but they had a good job. And then those kids are gonna try to get a better job. And it's that incremental betterment of the family all the way through. Yes. And, and to me, that to me that's a good place to start. I mean, yeah, we can do money. Uh, maybe even housing could be another way to uh, help with reparations. But to me, education is something, and you know what? It's something that's not cash money in somebody's hand that people don't like to see, you know? Mm -hmm. You talk mm -hmm. about giving somebody a, a cash check and people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to give them money because their great-great-grandfather worked in the fields picking cotton? I don't think so. I'm, are you serious? Okay. Uh, well, how about a, a college education? Okay. Well, it's got to be a state university. Okay. You know, let, I think there's a lot of room to make it happen. And I think to me personally, education might be a good place to start to kind of get both sides involved. And it, in my mind, it does help with the problem. But that's just me. Well, no. What do you guys say? No, with what you just said there, people could say that there is state, you know, federal and state programs out there for welfare, housing, healthcare, employment, affirmative action, and education, and could say that we could have benefited from that. What do you say to that? Well, well to I me, let me say something real quick before I'm going to Affirmative yeah. action was started for women. That was a woman thing first mm -hmm. before it was a minority thing. But go ahead. All right. Good. Yeah, no, 
they're not good enough and they're not making amends for how this country got to be the superpower that it is and to justify, not to justify, not to kind of erase and wipe the, the stain of, you know, kidnapping people and separating families. All right. But man, we got to do something specifically right. for slavery. Welfare right. is just for poor people. And there's a lot of white people that take welfare, food right. stamps, SNAP program. A lot of white people do that. People in the military get assistance for housing and, okay. um, and food assistance. I'm talking people that don't need assistance about- get assistance. Okay. You know what? Like this whole <laughs> stimulus thing going on right now. Yeah. If you don't need the money, then either donate it to people that do or put it back in the system. You know, maybe. Okay. So let's say that we're doing okay in this, in the, in the, uh, in the Noah household. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't really need the stimulus money, but you know what? We're going to use it and put it back in the local community by going out to eat. We're going to spend it on the restaurants. We're going to spend it on the small businesses. Right. We don't need to, but you know what? It's some, it, right now for us, it's some found money. It's some free money that we can spend. Or like I said, donate it. Right. But I think that there needs to be something said about slavery and, you know, what the birth of this country is because we exploited slave labor. Oh, we did, and we we gave nothing back to those people and families that were exploited for so long and for such a horrible time. So, and you almost want to say at this particular point that their lack of action to this is more of a ignoring the fact that it even happened. Yeah, you, you mm-hmm. don't even, they don't want to take that responsibility and say, "Yeah, it happened, and we're sorry," but they're kind of saying, right. "Yeah, no, we're not even going to do that." We're just going right. to ignore that it ever happened. Don't worry about it. It's so far back now, we can't even do anything about it. So guess what? You're kind of SOL right now. I've heard people say, this was a couple of years ago, but I've heard people say that, well, a lot of those slaves, they lived a good life and, you know, they were all together. <laughs> they had a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, of they course. Good, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the yeah. parents were there with the kids and it was, they were together. And I'm like, are you serious? I don't think they realize if... Somebody was just to come into their house, snatch them out of their house from their family, take them off somewhere and put them to work for nothing. Oh, and beat they them would, the whole time. Right. That they would be okay with that. Yeah. And women raped. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, it's almost, so, it's almost like a cult in a way. Sorry, right. It's almost like a cult when you think mm-hmm. about it. You're in a cult yeah. and, you know, the cult leader basically sleeps with all the wives. And the guys are okay with that. I mean, it's that that scenario of you're okay with this, but if it really happened to you, you would not be okay with that. Oh, oh well, that, that I think is part of that white fragility where, you know, a yeah. lot of the white people are like, oh my God, if we're not in control, then we're going to be treated the way we've treated all these other people. And it's like, we well, can't have that. <laughs> well, it's good for you to realize that, um, but yeah. hopefully the people that, you know, become the majority aren't as much of a pain in the ass and a-hole that you are or your family has been or whatever you know it's like come on hope they don't treat me like we treated them yeah have that you know start Mm -hmm. over yourselves yeah so yeah yeah no yeah so i intentionally went last because i this this the more i start reading it just weighed heavy on me so for people that are listening and like noah said because we talk all the time um off mic too and they say well Reparation, slavery, that had nothing to do with me. Uh, the issue of reparation is charging the system. We're not charging one individual person. We're charging the system because every time reparations has been given, 
it has charged the system. Japanese Americans, uh, Jewish people, Indians. That's it's a history of that. So it would be one thing if reparations were never given, then you probably have a case. But we charge the system. We should be charging the system for the misdeeds that they did, first of all. Yeah. The second thing is we should think about, ask yourself a question. If all these other groups have gotten reparations, why haven't black people gotten reparations? That's the next question. I'm going to let you answer that. Whoever's listening, I'm going to let you answer that. Um, and, And thirdly, I would like to say, so if all things were being equal, and why have... I was reading an article that said white families are 10 times more wealthy than the average black family. The average white family has 10 times more wealth than black family. Ask yourself that question. Why? If we were all equal and everything worked out good, ask yourself why I don't got time to to rehash the questions because I'm trying to get through all this next um, look up uh, the 1619 project because this will help you understand kind of what we're talking about on Nicole Hannon-Jones. Look up the 1619 Project. This She did an excellent job of just breaking this down and, and talking about it from square one all the way up to square 22. Um, I'm sure a lot of people heard of uh, this guy, Tanisha Coates. Um, he's has several books. Um, about Black America, about reparations. Look them up if you have time. I don't have time to get into it today. So we're here to talk about uh, reparations. So I looked up some data, and it said that uh, if we could put a price value on cotton production in the United States during that time, I think it said between 1619 and 1861. This is just an estimate. Um the production was worth $300 million. And that's in those dollars yeah. at that time. So that's probably $900 million to a billion dollars now. Right. That's how much that was worth. So all of that equity, all that money went somewhere into people's pockets. Mm-hmm. It didn't go into black people's pockets. I'm going to just no. leave that there. I'm going to let it marinate right there because I got to no, move it was, on. It was the yeah. GDP of this country. Yeah, because we're talking about reparations and I want people to understand give them a picture of why we're talking about the monetary value so then I looked up something else it said enslaved physical bodies they put a price tag on enslaved physical bodies so that meant not the people that you snatched from Africa but the people that actually made it across the transatlantic voyage and were able to live and become slaves we're putting a value on just those people not the people not all the people you grabbed so say if you grabbed 10 people and five people made it. We're placing a value on those five people. They said the estimated value in those times, the 1800s, 18, I think they based it off of 1860, both numbers. So enslaved physical body value was $3 billion in that time, in that money. Not today. So today's value would be, what, Noah, maybe double that, triple that? Yeah, nine, I, nine billion. So it's worth nine billion dollars in today's money. So if you have nine billion dollars in slave in slave bodies value today's value, and you have nine hundred million in cotton value in today's value, two hundred fifty million back then in eighteen hundreds, three billion in eighteen hundreds. 
Now we get to the question of reparation. Well, how did one race get all this value and get all this equity and all this education and the other race didn't? You know, how did that happen? Because, I mean, we didn't just wake up and just black people couldn't do it. You know, uh, like Noah said, through education, that's a big component. I think he hit it. He hit it. He hit it in that area when he said, if you can give back through education, that's huge because through education, you can lessen the wealth gap. Because if as people get educated and I'm not just saying go to college, I'm talking about trades, right. like Noah said, oh, yeah. all these different schools, you you bring value. To your family. So I'll give an example. So let's just say my family were never slaves and uh, my great, 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 great grandfather was able to, for, for some reason, go to a trade school, get a good job. Uh, he got some land, which we could go to Fort Acres in a mule, but I'll come back to mm. that. And mm. he was able to equate wealth and he gave that little bit of wealth to his son who on top of that wealth was able to do something with it and double it. So he doubles it. So now it went from one, it went from one house to now my great, 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 great grandfather gave it to my great, great, great grandfather. It doubled the two houses and he built equity on it. Three houses, four houses. You see how that happens? And it goes mm -hmm. on and on. Now you equate wealth right. through that. That didn't happen in the black community for years. Nope. I tell people this, if you've been listening to my podcast, my mom was born in 1960. The Civil Rights Act was signed, I think, 1964. Think about that. Think about just in my family, uh, how many levels of um, depriving, whether it's educational assets, financial assets had to happen just recently. Like if my mom was born in the 60s, so that means my grandparents were born in the what, the 30s? Yeah. So think about black people there and their parents. Mm -hmm. right. So just look at those three units mm -hmm. of, of compensation. So you're already behind the eight ball. I could get deep, deep into that, but I, we don't have the time. Right. Um, I think reparations should be, I like the plan that Ice Cube and some of the doctors came up with because it, it, it had some monetary value. But what they were talking about was, and if you get a chance to look it up, it's called a contract with Black America. I know Ice Cube is not on everybody's favorite list right now. I get it uh, for some of the things he said. But what he was trying to do was correct. He basically said, I don't want to be on any team. Whichever team brings people like me, money, land, equity, that's the team I'm going to be on. That was basically what he wanted to say, but he didn't say it the right way. So his plan basically... And I'm going to uh, just summarize it. Uh, one was black representation, which is important. If you have representation from black people, you would never have slavery. Pretty simple. Two, uh, bank lending. We need to get with the banks, stop the predatory lending to black people. I could go on and on about that finance reform. And I'm trying to go through them fast because we don't have a lot of time. Three, judicial and policy reform. When you say judicial and policy reform, how we treat it in the courts and then how on paper through the banks and courts were treated in policy. Um, four, expanding the, uh, the 13th Amendment. I think that's, I have to look that up, but I think that's voting rights. Um, five is police reform. We've talked about that on this podcast plenty of times. We understand that. Six was an interesting one. 
entertainment reform and reparations. And I had I paused with that because I was like, wait a minute, Hollywood, most black people are paid pretty good. They're millionaires. Mm-hmm. Why would he say that? But then I had to go back and look at it, reparations. What he was talking about is not now. He's talking about all the black entertainers back then that got ripped off for their music, right. for their art. You know, um, mm-hmm. you have no Elvis Presley if you have no Chuck Berry and all these black artists that help him get mm-hmm. to where he was. And I'm going to just leave that there. Um, eliminating all the racist monuments. Self-explanatory. And at the end, the last one was black American responsibility. And I want to hit that and I'm going to be quiet. Basically, he's saying as black people, if people in this country with power adhere to all of these demands, we got to take the responsibility of cleaning up our own communities also. I know it's been a lot of damage that has happened, but we got to own that responsibility also. I can say more, but I want to turn it back over to you guys. Well, I just to throw in on that real quick, I think that if people, you know, like if you if you play it forward where, you know, that idea that, you know, I don't use an air quotes, the black community is supposed to take care of their areas and you know, their community. It's like, well, you know, these people that live in the in the in the poor areas of town where, yeah, there's the buildings are kind of crappy. The lawns are crappy. There's trash. There's crime. Well, it's because of those decades of, of that happening and those policies yes. in place. So I think that if you look at just the aspect of the of the poor, mm-hmm. you know, part of it is that if those people had a good job and they only needed one job to survive and they didn't work two or three. So they you work two or three jobs. You don't have time to paint your house. You don't yes. have time to mow your lawn every weekend and buy the ba- greatest lawnmower and all that, you know, like in the in the suburbs, how, you know, you get yard of the month. And no, you're working three jobs to make ends meet and you're still mm-hmm. struggling. So. I think that if, if you look at trying to give those families that monetary ability to, I agree. to catch up with that and yeah, to do that, then the communities will get better on their own and you mm-hmm. know, kind of tied into this, the criminal justice you know, aspect. If you know, we take away a lot of these quote unquote crimes, um, let's say for minor drug possessions and you know, all this other BS that you know, the minority communities get taken to task for, pardon the expression, but they're the ones that get hardest hit by this stuff. And, you know, yes. you got somebody that's in jail for months and years for marijuana possession. Mm-hmm. That's, that's crap. So it messes up that person. It messes up their family. It messes up so many other things. So, yeah, why not? The kids are going to see that and go, I'm just going to be a criminal. I'm not even going to try to do mm-hmm. anything else because that's what I'm, saw, I'm looked at upon. That's how I feel I am. And I could make money. I could have a great life in the time that I've got and do it. And so, yeah, it's easy. Buy guns, but I, I do, I, and, yeah. you know, I, and I do say this from coming from some of that environment is that everybody is a product of their environment. If you take anybody, black, white, alien, and you put them in a great environment, give them the best education, the best food, you don't put them in these food deserts, you give them all that stuff, they're going to be a great human being. But if you yeah. take that same person and you put him in poverty, the worst environment, a food desert, um, high crime area, and you do that over and over again, of course their generations are going to uh, not do good. And you might get that one in every 10 person that exceeds expectation, LeBron James, and becomes this great person that is going to be successful. I guess LeBron is an extreme 
example, but I mean, one in every 10. So I do think that a monetary value is going to be need to be put on reparation. We're not going to be able to avoid that. Some money is going to have to exchange hands. And now that we've done this COVID relief, we can do it. We can write a check. We can write money in the air. So I don't want to hear that shit about, oh, we don't have the money. We can create money for anything. Look at the defense budget. I challenge somebody. Look at our defense budget every year. It's the biggest part of the budget we have. We create money when we want to. And if we don't want to, we don't do it. And that's period. I think minorities are getting smarter. They're getting more educated. I think they're understanding the system more each decade. And I think that's a fear of some people. But I think also we have a lot of allies out there also. So we have to recognize those allies. Those are, you know, um, white people that that are for us, that are with us, you know, that understand our pain, you know, might not have gone through the situation, but they understand what's going on. So we have to be mindful of them also and work with them to make a better situation. So I think that's all in the sphere of what's going on, but it's going to be some monetary value assessed to that. There's no way around that. If I'm, if I'm making sense when we talk about this reparations thing. Yeah. And I, I, I like to see it happen, but I just feel like in this day and age, even now that a lot of people will be like, Nope, I don't, I don't think so. And, um, just for no other reason than they just don't want to because they don't like it because there's black people involved. What I suggest is we take a break and we'll come back and we'll start another one and go on with what you want to say. And we're back. Buongiorno, everybody. Shalom again. <laughs> Shalom again. Hilarious. <laughs> that was Shalom again, man. It did actually. Learning. It did. Thank you. It did. So <laughs> we're going to continue with our in-depth conversation on reparations and try to answer a few questions and kind of answer the question of the the legacy of the Black American community and whether or not slavery has played a huge part in that. So I will let you guys continue. So uh, I guess uh, this is Randall, by the way. We were talking and we were about to ask the question, do problems from slavery affect African-American people or people of color still today? And before we get into that, I want to kind of tell a story, I guess. Some people have heard it. It's kind of like an old uh, folk tale. It's the wasp and the bullfrog. And it goes like this. There was a wasp and a bullfrog. The wasp had one wing. And he was on the back of the bullfrog. And the bullfrog said, hey, you're going to sting me. And the wasp said, no, I'm not going to sting you. I only got one wing. And if I sting you while we're going to cross, we'll both die. So the bullfrog thought about it. And he said, okay, I'll trust you. So they start going across the water. The wasp with one wing is on the back of the bullfrog. And they get halfway and the wasp stinks the bullfrog. And as they go down and drown, the wasp says to the bullfrog, I can't help it. I am who I am. It's in my nature. And I'm saying that to say this is that you can apply that in whether you're talking about politics, 
you know, Democrat, Republican, black or white. You know, that's race is a big issue, rich or poor. Um, to me, you have to study, for lack of a better word, your opponent, the people that are oppressing you or the people that are opposing you. Because you got to look at their motives. You got to look at their heart. It never changes, regardless of what they seem like or look like. Um, don't look at what a person says to you. Look at their actions. And I just feel like today, when we're talking about our slavery, the effects of slavery, our oppression, we got to look at the actions of what has happened from then to now. Even when we're talking about that, the effects. Does that make sense? Because people can tell us a whole bunch of things. Hey, everything is different. Everything looks better. But is it equal? We got to look at the action. Is it? Do we have equality? That's an act. You know, that's an action. That's well, equal. And real equality. Really, yeah. cool. I mean, not just the talking points and the words, but like the reality. That's exactly. where it needs the proof is in the pudding. Make it. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like we can start from there. And I just wanted to set it up like that. And we can go from there. Whoever wants to go. Um, all right. So trying to get back to where we were in the, in the first part. But, um, you know, one of the things that. Um, we didn't really talk about thus far also uh, when we talk about reparations um, because you could, you could tie it to slavery and that's the biggest problem that, you know, this country has had when it comes to race uh, specifically slavery uh, you know, over the years of race relations. Um, but also after slavery, uh, there was a period um, th things were cool for a little while, but then things got real bad again. And the time of Jim Crow, Yes. Um, is something that I think also should be looked at as a reason for reparations. Um, it could it could even be separate if we were and explain to the people out there know or that don't know what the Jim Crow era is because people so, we're assuming that everybody knows what that is. Right, right, and it wasn't that far removed. So I'm no legal scholar, I'm no historian, but um, I can't remember exactly when it started, but it was a long time ago, probably late 1800s maybe even early 1900s, but mm -hmm. Jim Crow uh, was a legal case. And basically, um, I think this is where the separate but equal comes in. Yes. Where, you know, um, you're able to tell a black person, um, you, you know, you can get on the bus, but you have to get on the back of the bus. There was a yes. designated area for black people to eat, to yes. drink from a water fountain, um, to be on the bus. And that's just the overt stuff. That's the stuff that people saw that was in the books, you know. Also the education. Education. But the other stuff, too, is the stuff that you don't see that it's okay to not hire the black person. It's okay. And it's acceptable if you did hire the black person, you know, so your friend would come, what'd you do that for? What, you know, why are you hiring, hiring the, the colored people or the, you know, the N-word, which went around mm -hmm. a lot back in those days. Um, and not the Negro word, but the other word. So... You, you can make an argument for reparations just for Jim Crow. Um, it's nowhere nearly as um, insidious and as hateful and as horrible and lasted as long as uh, the slavery period from, you know, 1619, basically, um, for 400 years um, that we that we, you know, as a nation. And I'm not saying white people. I'm saying as a nation, like Randall was talking earlier, it's the system that did this. And this is the system that needs to be charged and changed is um, that's where reparations should be coming from. And like I said, Jim Crow was a huge deal and it wasn't that far removed. The civil rights era uh, in the 1960s is mm -hmm. really what changed that Jim Crow 
and brought about the beginning. So it basically was from the late 1800s to about 1960 or 64. Well, that's, yeah, legally. Uh, I'm sure the people at the time were like, um, okay, uh, we signed this Equal Rights Amendment. When are we going to (laughs) be equal? Um, Exactly. You know, the proof is in the pudding. But um, so it's been going on for a long. It's still going on. Uh, we still have race problems. You still hear people. I mean, you go on TikTok or YouTube and you'll see people dropping the N-word, being upset about so, it, and calling people the N-word in their face and saying, oh, so, and they're mad they're there. Noah, let's set that up. So we're talking about the Jim Crow era. Let's let's yes. build the building block. So we have Jim Crow. Right. And we're talking about problems that exist in effect. And we let's mix that. Let's say we got a mixing bowl. So we put Jim Crow in there. Say we got a little slavery in there. Now let's <laughs> throw in there redlining. Yes. You know, where we basically, you know, will uh, with this, it's an unfair it's practice that, you know, banks or lending agencies do where they discriminate against people of color in areas that people of color live and they deny loans. They uh, lower property values. It's a bunch of different stuff. Look up redlining. They and why is it called? Why is it called redlining? Because they basically draw that line around that area, mm-hmm. and they say this is the area that is the bad area, the mm-hmm. the, the negative area, you yep. know. The so and then your your property, that was the area that blacks or brown people could live in. So basically, to make it simple, it was an area that blacks or brown people could live in. But what they did to that area was they lowered the property values. Mm-hmm. They and then on top of that, they discriminated. They had discriminated discriminatory practices uh, with the mortgage lender. So, say if your a great rate was two point two five somewhere in that area, it might be four point two five for no reasons. And then uh, we can use a word that we use today: gentrification mm-hmm. within those redlining areas. Now, so basically, what they did is the area was worth nothing. For long periods of time when black and brown people were there, but now gentrification, which is a fancy word of when uh, businesses or whites move into that area, they gentrify the area, they build it back up. Now it's worth that same area that was worth nothing is worth millions of dollars. I.e., yeah, they, if you see, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was, was going to say, they go basically ahead. took the, you know, the land that was there yeah. and they said, okay, uh, this land is going to be, um, you know, worth less i mean not worthless but worth less than the yeah. other areas uh we're going to do that now and then later on we're going to come back and buy those areas because they're yes. cheap and then we're going to turn around and develop them and profit off of that cheapness that the lower cost that we created and create this wealth that we're going to have now enjoy for ourselves exactly that's a practice that's still going on today think about yep. it and i want to think the listeners to think about think about when a sporting team goes to the hood or downtown area to build their arena in air quotes, I'm putting all those in air quotes. Why do they usually go downtown or these less lower income areas? Because the property is cheap. Mm-hmm. They flip it mm-hmm. and they turn it, they put an arena around it, they build stores around it. And now this property skyrockets up and that's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. But if people don't know the history of that, when we throw these terms and these words out here and we talk about reparations, they'll be like, oh, that doesn't exist. But I remember somebody told me this a long time ago, and I think indirectly they helped me. They said, hey, man, I'm just being honest with you. And it's somebody that I know. It's somebody that we all know. They said, I'm just being honest. Um, I don't 
think about stuff that doesn't affect me, you know, in my life. So if it doesn't affect me, I just feel like it doesn't happen or I don't really care about it. And that person was being honest, but that's how the world works. If it doesn't affect me, I don't think about it. So we talk about minds. Exactly. We talk about reparations when we talk about that mixing bowl of slavery, Jim Crow, redlining. All of that is mixed in there. That affects people of color still to this day. So um, I'm going to throw it to you guys. I I got other stuff, but I'm going to just let us marinate on that for a while. Go ahead, Katie. No, no, go ahead. I'm listening. If you you got something. Okay. Um, Well, it's, you know, I don't know how we're going to get to the point where things are really, um, I I wouldn't say the word equal as in a real realistic reality point of view that, you know, yeah, we're all equal. There is no, um, whatever discrimination there is for this person, it's the same for that person, whatever, you know, opportunity there are, it's all equal. I don't think we'll ever get there. I mean, that's just, um, optimistic, idealistic, um, attitude. But I do think there's a point where we will be more equal and we get there all the time. The, the incrementalism of, you know, having a little bit here and a little bit there. And yeah, it's not what we want. It's not really the best thing, but you know, it's something, um, you know, uh, you, you could look at it in terms of medicine. Um, you know, we're, we're not getting, we haven't found a cure, but we're getting treatments that are better and better. I'll take it. Um, it's not a cure. It's not a fix, but it is something that makes it. It's better. a step. It's a step step. and it's a step in the right direction that makes things better. Um, And, and, you know, we talked about this in previous episodes. What what I really don't like and what I really despise is the um, the the height, the the overtaking of the narrative. Uh, When somebody says, you know, and and back to your talk about, you know, the gentrification, you know, the idea, the talking point is that, oh, we're going to go into these areas and we're going to pay these people for their property. I mean, (laughs) what's wrong with that? Well, you're paying them, you know, at a lower price price for what it's probably really worth and at a lower price for what it'd be worth once the stadium's done um but you know the other thing you're doing is you're just not taking into account the the historical aspects of that area and the cultural aspects of that area um here a good example is you know we have um camping world stadium is that what it's called now or is it called yeah, I think, stadium I yeah camping camping world camping world but um and forgive me for not remembering but uh what's the name of the ball field behind it um, Tinkerfield, I think. Tinkerfield, yes, yes. Tinkerfield. And, and that's a historic place. And that was part of the argument was like, well, we're going to build this, you know, we're going to do all this development, but what about Tinkerfield? That's a very uh, historic place for, um, for many reasons. And, and like I said, I'm no historian, but I do know that it's very, and that was the talk is like, well, what are we going to do with it? And we had to preserve it. That was the bottom line. Um, but, but the talking points of, well, we're helping these people out by, giving them money for their property. What's wrong with that? And it's like, well, here's what's wrong with it. It's the history. It's the culture. And it's the disregard for it. You know, that's what really makes me mad is the people that say, well, you know, we're just giving them a fair price, but okay, for just the property. But there's also a lot of culture and history that goes along with a lot of these. And not just that situation, but the neighborhoods in general. Hey, no, talk to them about talk to them about i don't want to say our city but people will get it if they listen where we live at but talk to them about eminent domain remember the oh yeah the black yeah. the black uh baptist church that uh they had the land where they wanted to build a soccer stadium in our city mm-hmm. and what happened to them basically and this all goes back to what we're talking about talking about the uh, the gentrification or the, the red line and basically they had this land 
that the city that we live in wanted to build a soccer stadium on. And they they negotiated back and forth for a while. And the people were trying to negotiate. Hey, man, if you want this land, this is what you're going to have to pay. If not, this is a, like Noah just said, a historical place of value to us. So if you want to take it, you're going to have to pay us. Like any other American, they would negotiate with. Well, what happens in eminent domain, and correct me if I'm wrong, is at a certain point, I think it was two years they went back and forth. Oh, yeah, just, the time. They just said, uh, we're going to take the land. This is what we're going to pay you. Mm-hmm. As, to make a long story short, that's what happens in city limits. And that's what happened. That's what ended, yeah, ended that, up happening. Well, well, basically, from what I understand, the minute domain, and I could be slightly off, is basically what we're saying is, is there's this land here that we want. You're on it. We're yes. going to take it. But right now, we're going to offer you what we think is a fair market price. Exactly. So you get something out of it. Should you not want that, we're still taking it. Exactly. Yeah. That's basically what it is. And you'll get nothing. So we either take oh, wait, what we're giving you. They'll give you some money. They'll give you some money. Yeah, but not, yeah. not what we offered. Exactly. Yeah, now, no. now you'll probably get less. Yes. Yeah. I'm starting to notice that there's a thought process. There is a, a mindset because it, it said even after the civil rights was enacted, in 1964 they still were putting policies together to legally um, discriminate against blacks till 1971 so even if you're still saying with the civil rights act that hey yeah we're trying to do everything good we're still on the backside doing stuff to kind of counteract what we're doing on this side yeah, and I, and I feel like that mindset is still there, even though they don't think that that's what they're doing because that's what they're taught. That's how they are taught to think. Is that's what you're doing? Is you're almost counteracting what you're trying to say you're do you're doing by we're going to give you a scrap, but what we're really doing on the backside is is we're really robbing you blind for whatever it is we can get out of it. But on the outside, we're just trying to make it look like we're doing something nice. And I just think I, the biggest. Biggest sin that America's ever done was slavery. And until they fixed that, first they gotta acknowledge it. They've never acknowledged that, yeah, hey, we made a mistake here. Then they have to fix it. And they know how to fix it because, like we've talked, they've given people reparations. However, we're gonna do that. Once we fix it and then move into something new, we're never gonna be a whole country and we're seeing that play out now like um if you look at the news when you see these people storming the capital whatever they're doing they're telling you this is our america rules yeah are not for us they're for people of color that's basically yep. what they're telling you well so I'm, that's why that's why i feel like there's going to be a problem with the with equality is because you can't get them to think outside of that box and you if you can't get them to think a different way then things will never officially be equal they will always want to have the advantage of the upper hand. Yeah. Well, I think one quick thing I want to say too is getting back well, to Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. go ahead. Well, I was just thinking along the lines because we had mentioned at one point slavery in and of itself, you know, the actual labor we're talking about GDP and what the what the slaves produced for this country. Um, you know, it, a couple things. It's not just the, the labor in the fields. It was also the labor of the of the women in the houses. Um, 
you know, there was a whole other aspect of slavery that wasn't just, you know, cotton in the fields or tobacco in the fields. There was a whole other, lots of other ways. Yeah. Um, And the thing that we were talking about, too, is that it's not just slavery in, in the country, not really recognizing it. It's recognizing, too, that slavery was wrong. But slavery is what made this country what it is. You know, the Mm -hmm. economic engine of free or extremely cheap labor um, and and, and the industry of slavery is what made this country what it is today. And it's just it actually said that slavery was like half of the uh, the workforce back then. Yeah, that's why it cracks me when people say you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Wait a minute. Yeah, (laughs) the slaves was doing the work. Yeah, that don't. (laughs) You weren't pulling yourself. Your people weren't pulling themselves up by them bootstraps. I mean, no, no. And if you got on a boat and took some people from another country and brought them here, you'd be arrested. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's just hey, the concept works. If you say if I can get somebody to work for me for obscene amounts of hours per day and I don't really have to pay them very much, that works Mm. in my favor, which is why even though they say they want to get rid of slavery, they never really wanted to get rid of it. And I got I got two things. They just modified it because I know some people will be listening to this or some people. I want to go back to the question because it says, do problems from slavery still affect us today? And I think I, I touched on this, but I'm going to retouch on it. Um, when I talked about uh, the light-skinned black people, remember we talked about that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I remember we talked about that? Yeah. Yes. So there was no such thing that came from Africa, light-skinned black people. We know that came from rape, from you know the, the slave owners. So that's a scar that we bear and will bear throughout our life. It's in our DNA. So that trauma is sketched into our DNA. We'll never outlive that. That that in itself, every time we wake up, if I looked at my mom, if I looked at my aunt, if I looked at, I see that scar every time I look at them. Not saying I'm looking at them in a bad way, but that's, it is what it is. Now that I'm educated and know about that, uh, that's what it is, you know, um, and that we could go into levels of colorism, but we're not going to do that today. But yeah. um, I just think the the wealth gap, that's a big thing, like um, how you accumulate wealth, like how Noah said, how this country has accumulated wealth. You know, if you have no education, uh, no land, no equity. You don't accumulate wealth. Your family doesn't. You know what I mean? We can expand on that. Is it getting better? Mm. Yes. Yeah. But um, it's like a race. If you start and you get to go, if you're on a 100-yard dash and you start and you get to go to the 50-yard line and I have to start, will I advance? Yeah, I'll advance, but I won't overtake you. It'll take years. It'll take centuries. Yeah. You know? Um, and I don't even know how to further explain that. If you don't get that, I mean, who I was know, thinking. I, go ahead. I was yeah. thinking about that. So the same analogy, you've got two, three, four people in a race. You got one guy that's got shoes. One mm-hmm. guy that's got the same guy's got shoes. Training. He's got a knowledge of the field. He's done this before. He's got experience. And the other three, four people, they've got nothing. They've got bare feet, and they've got you know just a pair of shorts on. And, you know, when the race starts, there's a big disadvantage there. So let's start off by saying, okay, give these guys shoes. Mm -hmm. Let's start with that. Okay. 
Um, let's do the race again. Let's do a practice race. Let's get everybody trained up so that it's an equal, you know, lap around the track. Yeah. You know, it's like telling somebody to pull themselves up by the bootstraps um, to, to fly in the sky. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Doesn't you, work. Could your, <laughs> you could you could put your boots on with your bootstrap but then you're told to go out and you know plow the field and, and exactly. it's just it's disingenuous on so many levels um the way race is talked about but and i, saw I think there's a lot of ways that it could be fixed and dealt with go ahead and uh no i, I saw something today i was about to pivot to um what people would say but i, I was watching this podcast this morning it was kind of talking it's on a different subject, but assembly was talking about NFL and the black coaching vacancies and why they had seven vacancies and no coaches, no black coaches fill those vacancies, even though uh, the black coaches had done everything they were supposed to do. They had all the qualifications. They did everything they were asked. They still were passed over and that you were giving people or coaches that were coming from college that had no experience that were good in college. They just jumped the line. We're there talking about Urban Meyer, a couple other coaches. But then this black lady, uh, the podcast, I Am I am Athlete podcast, Brandon Marshall, was pretty good if, if you haven't checked it out. And uh, they were talking about resumes because the guy said, well, man, we got all the resumes. We did everything we're supposed to do. So it was a black lady on there, and I forget her name. But she said, what good is your resume? And the guy was like, what do you mean? She said, what good is your resume if they just keep changing the job description? So every time you get your resume to what they mm -hmm. want you to have, they say, okay, your resume, now the job description is something different. And that made so much sense on different levels because I feel like people of color, we face that every day, you know? We'll, we'll get all the stuff we need to get and then they'll change the job description. We'll get everything on our resume and they'll change the job description. And that's why we need allies. Um whites that are allies with us to help to help us change this culture i just truly believe that you know right. because we're not going to do it on our own yeah well that's where that incrementalism comes in that's part of it yeah hold on just one second we're gonna have to take another short break okay and we are back to kind of wrap this little story up about reparations noah had a story about incrementalism i keep thinking i'm saying that word wrong but go ahead no <laughs> no that sounds good um well incrementalism is basically incremental no, i messed it up incrementalism is basically just those little bits you know um you know a little bit at a time making progress to what should be done or what you know where we're supposed to go but you know it, it, it's something that it's the way the system works you know like we talk i just talk go back to the earlier discussion about medicine and a cure you know, in, in sports, you know, you have to have that, you know, that one person that does it, you know, the, the Jackie Robinson that comes out yeah. and, um, you know, and then everybody else comes along and then you've got Hank Aaron that, you know, he, he, he's a great player and he, you know, and we just lost him recently. That's why I bring him up. But, you know, th those are the players that change the game and, mm -hmm. you know, the game needs to be changed because sometimes the game gets very lopsided. It's, if it doesn't start off lopsided, it gets that way. So, um, you know, when it comes to all the stuff, um, you got to have that person that's that's there, you know, the allies, if you will, that and it's not I, I kind of don't like the discussion. It's us against them. Um, you know, it, 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 there is a there is an argument to be made about the oppressors, like you said earlier as the word, but or opponent. But I just kind of like to think of it as we are all on the same side. I'm very um, idealistic in that regard that, you know, yeah, we all want the same thing. 
We, I was listening to James Baldwin earlier today talking about um, on a different podcast, but it was a recording back with Dick Cavett. But he's like, I don't want to be given stuff. I want to be left alone so I can do exactly. my own things and I can get what I want on my own. Exactly. And, you know, when you get down to it, we are all the same. You know, we want the same thing. We come from different places. We have different cultures. We have different backgrounds. Um, you know, food is a great, great indicator to talk about, you know, what makes us different. But it also, it, it's the same thing. You know, we eat a lot of the same foods. We cook it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, to finish up, my, my final thought when we go back to the reparations talk is that um, I think that we should take it seriously. I think there's ways that we can do it. There's ways that we can make it happen. I think it should be done. Um, the further away from it we get, the harder it is to make happen or to calculate how it could happen. Um, I just really think it's, it's the one thing about this country one of the things, really, it's the biggest one, in my opinion, that, you know, kind of turns my stomach that we haven't fixed this or tried to fix it. Um, we've tried we've tried to fix other problems this nation has created with, um, you know, the Native Americans that lived here before us, you know, all the tribes people from across this, this land. Um, I think this country has tried. I don't think it's met the potential or the expectation of where it should be. But I think when it comes to slavery, um, when I think when it comes to Jim Crow, I think when it comes to the, um, the, the terrorism that was the KKK and still is of white supremacist ideology, um, I think there needs to be amends made for what happened and what was let happen and what was encouraged and not dealt with well enough. Um, as a nation, as a whole, I really think this is our, our you know, stupidest thing that we've ever not fixed and have to deal mm. with. Mm-hmm. So, that's it go ahead I, i'm, I'm kind of done i might throw in a yeah or a, a, a no or something but go ahead kt you want to go or you can go man no i just in closing i'm with noah like he said james baldwin i don't want to be and i don't think anybody wants to be given anything um i think that people just want to be treated equally, want to be want it to be given a fair shake. Don't change the job description. Don't move mm. the goalposts. Nope. You know, and I just go back to what I heard Doc Rivers say, man. You know, people of color have been loving this country forever, and they just feel like this country never loves them back, no matter what they do. You know, and it's just it's time. So uh, it's time, people. Oh, that, that reminds me of something I, I want to say one more thing real quick. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I don't know if it was picked up in the last part or the part before, but um, when you say that, it brings me back to the idea that, you know, what, what the people that have suffered because of the systems in place in this country, uh, America specifically, because um, the Constitution was written, all men are created equal by people that own slaves, and they didn't think of them as people. I think that the idea of what those words mean and are, going back to Martin Luther King Jr. about, you know, part of his I have a dream speech was that realization of that happening, that mm-hmm. what, what, what those people and those families, you know, the, they might not love about America, but what they appreciate is the idea that this country was founded on the idea that all men are created equal, that that's how it should be, that that's, you know, they don't love America. They love that idea of what America should be and what it should, you know, what it could be and what it should be. So I just want to touch on that real quick because that's something else that bothers me about 
you know, what this country has done, where it's been and, and where we should be going. Exactly. I love it. I was thinking that um, America is, is the constitution as great as everybody lives by that. Don't realize that that is the biggest fantasy in the world. From my opinion mm-hmm. is that it says that all men are created equal, but it doesn't say that we will treat them that way because mm. we don't, you know, as you said, they had slaves, but they still said all men are created equal. Hmm. Okay. Then why is that one guy sleeping in your barn? You know, why is that guy sleeping out there in the, the, the quarters outside there, but doesn't get to sleep in a nice comfy bed, just like you do. Um, so that, that facade that they have, I feel like that has continued through hundreds of years. And no matter how much you want to change that, still at the back of their mind, they still want to be better than you and whoever you are. It doesn't have to just be black people, but in this conversation it is, they want to be better. And for some reason, that target of the black community, for some reason, that, that huge yeah, we'll pay reparations to this group, but not you. Right. I, I don't you gotta know ask it, that question. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know if it's a fear because you think that there may be an uprising and that you'll be overthrown or, or what it is that you have to constantly keep them in check or keep them from getting too much because you don't want them to become the majority because you're afraid of what will happen if they do. And it only seems to be the black community they do that too. Because it did say that the um, after the civil rights, they did say that it, I guess up until 1971 that they were basically the the drug trade. I guess is what it was. The drug laws they came out with was to intentionally, you know, incarcerate blacks. Yeah, hippies mm-hmm. and blacks. It was Richard Nixon. I, I, yeah, yeah. You can I, look it like, up. I have no idea why specifically that and why that group and why they feel like they had to do that, but they did. So to sit here and and talk about things that are constitutional, unconstitutional, and still have inequality is just BS as far as I'm concerned. You can't sit here and preach that, but then still turn around and still treat people like they're lesser than you. And that's where we still are. And we can't get that mindset out of the minds of those in power because that's benefited them the most. And actually, I will add on, that was very good, KT and Noah, but I would add on to this. People might say to listen to this, well, why are you talking about stuff that happened in the past? I just feel like what we saw at the Capitol, Mm -hmm. that we took several steps back, (laughs) you know, so we're mm -hmm. talking about, oh, we've come so far. No, we haven't come that far. People always say if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, first, you have to understand what history is. First, you have to understand what what actually happened and not what you think happened, which is why we're still repeating some of the same mistakes in the same way, decade after decade after decade with new people who are learning from the crap that was done before. And we're Mm -hmm. not changing it. That's the problem. We're not changing it. So had they just paid reparations in the first place, I don't think we'd be talking about this today. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you know, you're right. It, it would have been right. dealt with and everything would have been okay. But for some reason, they just kind of felt, yeah, we're not going to do that. Right. I mean, it might um, not be perfect, but I think it would be a lot better. And step in the right yeah, direction. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and let me, hey, and if I could throw this doing out. What, doing, basically ahead, doing what you say is what it is. I mean, that's the step in the right direction. You say you're going to do something, then do it. And, yeah. and if they did that, 
that people would trust him a little bit more. Go ahead, Noah. All right, so I said I was done, but I got one more thing. So one of the things that um, I'm hearing in the tape, and I'm going to try to translate this for my other uh, white friends out there, is, you know, when people, people of color or anybody says them or those um, as, as the white person, I don't take it as me. And I don't think other people that are white or have no, um, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, black know family members. Yeah. Or if they're strictly a white person and that's their family, that's their culture. We're talking about the system. We're talking about yeah. white, su- white supremacy. And yes. that's the, those are the people in charge. And that's the problem. It's the people that are actively and idealistically causing the oppression of other people based on their race as not white. So if you're a white person and you don't have a problem with, you know, uh, uh, you know kind of racism, well, that's not good. You, you might be a racist if you don't have a problem with racism. And, hmm. you know, I, I hear the people talk and it's kind of a joke, but it's true is that if you're more upset about people talking about racism than mm. actual racism, Preach, right. Right. That's, that's part of where the problem starts. Right. So I think that that needs to be looked at and thought about for people that are not of color. Um, you know, you're not the problem. Or you, you probably and, aren't the problem, but if you don't have a problem with other people that see that as the problem, then you might be part of the problem. And let me add on to something. Let me add on Go to for that. It. Because uh, Malcolm X, my cousin, <laughs> who talks about, uh, <laughs> he talks about the liberal. I'm going to put it out there. He talks about the liberal back in his time in the 60s. Yeah. If you sit by and you let things go and you do nothing, but you know stuff is wrong, you're part of the problem. Yeah. you're part of the problem don't separate yourself and say oh uh you know i'm not out there with the pitchfork and burning the cross so I'm, that's not me i'm not racist if you're part of the the problem if you sit back and you let it go on that will see that was a big part of the problem too in the 60s and the 50s people let it go on they said oh that's bad but i'm not right. gonna stick my nose into that you know right that's part of it now we're changing now in in these uh times but I just want people to know that, to understand that. Yeah, it's it's tough to figure out where you can help and how you can help because, you know, to, to tie it to Harriet Tubman real quick, um, you might not be out there helping slaves actively escape or you might not be enabling the system that, that lets that happen and, and, you know, helps them with their freedom. But, you know, you, there's so many different gradients of how you can help or how you can hurt. Just try exactly. to get to where you are helping the most that you can and the most that you can feel comfortable for you and your family. Because, yeah, if you get caught, that's a bad thing because the authorities are going to bring the hammer down on everyone. Maybe not mm-hmm. equally. Well, we know not equally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, helping is not just being there and actually, you know, being Harriet Tubman. You can be one of the people that helps her or looks at your friends and goes, well, she's not a bad person. Let me explain mm-hmm. what the problem is. And you, you know, keep it. Or what you said is not do cool. do what you can. Something like that to yeah. help. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm trying to get people to understand is that you don't have to be the the hero. You have to be in on the, the front cake. line. You don't have to be on the front line, but you have to be on that side that is helping them do the dangerous work. Yes. So with that being said, I, that yeah, all makes exactly. very good sense. Um, people, I think we want people to really just understand that. There is a problem out there that everybody can do something. 
that you should not be afraid to stand on one side and to stand up for what is right and for what is good, even if you are the only person doing so. Um, and realize that if we are all equal, then no one is better than the other person. So I, I say- We could go on and on about it. Yeah, it is, yeah, it is. But it, I, I guess I, I want people to understand that because people think, you know, that this doesn't really apply today, but it's like, but you've got to understand mm-hmm. where it started, how it started and how it traveled through time to where today, as different as it might be, there are still some of the basic fundamental parts of it that are still the same. And, and you mm-hmm. have to get that through yeah. your head that that's what that the core part of that is there. And that's what we need to get rid of to help change that mindset. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it wasn't that long ago. It no, not it really wasn't. Ago. I mean, it really wasn't. But but when you've got people in power that are actively going out to belittle, discredit, humiliate, um, continue to keep down a certain set of people for no valid reason other than power, that's a problem. Yeah. And, and that in and of itself is supremacy. People just need to educate themselves, not educate themselves in what they teach you in school, because hmm. man, the stuff I they mean, teach you in school is ridiculous. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. get out there and do real education. Exactly. If if you can go out there, if you can literally sit there and find out information that supports your argument on anything, whether it be right or wrong, you can actually find out information about what's really going on with history. I mean, don't yeah. let's 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 be real about this now, people. When you sit there with your smartphone and you can look at me and you can tell me that this last election there were fraudulent votes, then you can. Oh tell man! Me, well, no, but then you can tell me Christopher Columbus was an a hole. Exactly. <laughs> no, I was I mean, just thinking exactly. of that guy. Help, help me to come school, up with that. We were taught in school he was good. And he had yeah, a whole no. day, man. He got a whole no. day. He's got a day, and people no. bitched about people bitched about Martin Luther King Jr. getting a day. <laughs> Yeah, we'd rather give that a whole a day for doing all the atrocities and crap that he did back then, and we'll pat him on the back for it. Yeah. So, so anyway, he sailed the ocean blue. So anyway, with that being said, yeah, I would like to Black History Month coming up. Learn about Mansa Musa. Black History Month coming up. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. We'd like to thank everyone for listening to this episode. As, as deep and as heartfelt as it was about reparations we hope you have gotten something out of this a little bit more um, than probably what you knew before so uh, wherever you find us listen to us, subscribe, please do not miss an episode and always remember to have a conversation with an open mind Bonjourno <laughs>